0: Good morning out there. How are you doing today? Um, my name is Melody and I am happy to be joining you in this way this morning and wherever you are watching, however you are participating today. Today is Daylight Savings. How is that treating you? Did you, did you feel the hour lost? Did you, um, what, how is that treating you? Usually you need about a week to recover from this. You know, it's one hour, but it messes with our bodies. It messes with our minds. So give yourself some grace. Uh, This week, be patient with yourself and those around you for sure. Um, You know, this week is an interesting week because it really marks um, about a year since the pandemic has really made um, itself known to us here in the States. Uh, My son Joshua, we were talking about the year mark coming up, and my son Joshua asked me the other day, he said, mom, do you think there's going to be a pandemic Memorial Day so that we always remember what what has happened? I said, first of all, I think we'll always remember what has happened here. And second of all, I I don't know, Joshua, is it just that you want another day off? What is it? So I think he was just trying to get, have a reason to have another day off of school. But not just with my son, I have had several conversations with some of you and with friends and with family about, you know, just over this last week, reflecting over this last year and what has changed, what is what is different, where we are now, what has stayed the same. Um, You know, one year ago, we were just an unsuspecting, unprepared bunch of people going about our daily lives. There was no protocols to follow, guidelines to look over. We were just so unaware of the changes that were coming in, almost rushing in um, at this time last year. What has that been like for you? What has that been like for you? Some some will say it's been the worst. Some will say it's been the worst. Some will say, you know, I'm pretty okay. It's It's been all right. Um, we all have different lives and different perspectives. And you know, today we're hanging out together online as a group of people with different experiences and, and different lives. So, so let's see what you have to say today. I'm going to ask you a question, actually a series of questions. And um, they're going to get a little deeper as the questions go. And You can answer in the comments if you feel comfortable with that, but follow along, listen to me explain the question before you type in your answers, okay, you overachievers, just listen. And if you've never commented before, I mean, it's been a year, just comment, jump in and comment. Uh, No, really, no pressure, Um, but we just love to know that you are there, so if you're feeling the courage today, I invite you to comment. So here we go, first question. What is one aspect of your Everyday life that has changed for you now—I mean, everyday logistical kind of stuff, more surfacey kind of stuff. We'll we'll get a little deeper in a second, but again, something that has changed. Do you have groceries delivered now? Is that something that you do? Are you wearing those um, blue blocking screen glasses, uh, blue light screen blocking glasses, um, to help with you know all the screen time you're having to do now? Um, Do you buy toiletries every time you shop now? Because, you know, just in case. Um, Do you have more movie or show apps than just Netflix now? Um, There was a meme early on that said, I just finished Netflix. I thought that was pretty funny. But do you have more show or more movie apps? Are you a Grubhub or DoorDash expert? Do you know how to get the best deliveries from the best places? So what is different, more on the surface, about your daily life now. Okay, I'm going to ask you another question deeper this time, deeper this time. What is something bigger that has changed about your life or in your life? I'm going to qualify this as life changes that have occurred for you over this last year. So let me give you a couple examples again. Did you, did you move? Did you have to move? Was it a good thing? Was it a not so good thing? Um, did you change jobs? Did you... Lose a job? Um, are you working online now? Did you retire out of nowhere? Um, students, were you living on campus and now you're living at home? Or maybe you were enrolled in classes and not so much this year. What about relationships? Did you, did you start new friendships, maybe a new romance? Um, did you lose some friendships or maybe lost a relationship? what 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 has happened in your life? did someone in your family pass away or a close friend? Did you lose somebody? You know um, I've shared on this platform before that just two and a half months ago my mom passed away, and that has been very, very different for my everyday life. That is a change I feel every time I walk past her bedroom. That is a life change that I have experienced over this last year so What has been a life change for you over this last year? Now, I'm going to ask you to reflect on something about you, about you. Uh, Again, wait till we pause, till you type it in the chat, but take a second, look at yourself. What has changed about you, inside you? Have things like your priorities changed? Are things that were maybe important before, not so important now, or vice versa? Um, has your perspective been changed or challenged somehow? Has your attitude or demeanor towards people changed in a, in a good way or maybe a not so good way? Um, have you maybe noticed positive qualities about yourself that have come about or maybe negative qualities that have found their way to the surface? Now, let me tell you this. You may or may not want to comment about this in the chat, but let me share this with you. Your courage to share something and to be vulnerable about yourself gives others the courage to do the same thing. And then we find that in common together and work through those things together. So hear me on that. No pressure, but, but maybe have some courage today to share a little bit about yourself. So again, here's the question. What has changed about you in this last year? Now, why am I asking you these questions? Why am I asking you to reflect on this last year? Well, I know one thing for sure about this last year is that we are forever changed in one way or another as individual people, as a community, as a church, as family, we're we're changed. And now people are talking, this new catchphrase is, oh, getting back to normal, getting back to normal, getting back to normal. It is my belief, my belief that nothing will ever be back to normal. Nothing will ever be the same. Through the good, through the bad, through the unexpected, the unplanned, the exciting, the heartbreaking, all these things we have experienced in this last year has produced some type of change. And we will never be the same. We will be forever changed. Now sure, sure, we'll, we'll go back to eating inside restaurants soon. Kids and teachers will be back inside the classroom soon. We will even be back in this church building soon normalcy may return in the sense of activities happening, more and more things opening up. We will see things that are familiar again for sure. But back to normal, back to normal. Normal is not a thing anymore. Normal is not a thing. You have changed. I have changed. We are forever changed. And I pray that by the grace of God, I hope these changes the good, the bad, the heartbreaking, the exciting, the the unplanned, the unexpected, I pray that whatever these changes are, we can and will use them for the glory and honor of God. I also hope and pray that these things we have experienced have and continue to bring us closer to him. Changed? Yes. How can we not be? But back to normal? not possible Today we're going to look at a group of unsuspecting unqualified unprepared men for what they were about to experience for not just one year but 3 years 3 years those whose lives were changed forever a group of men who were who were called specifically to follow and engage Jesus for this time, these, these 12 men became his apostles. And I wonder, I wonder if we had these 12 men in the flesh, if we could speak to them now in person, what would their answers be if I asked them, hey, what, what changed about your life, Peter? What life change did you experience, Matthew? What changed about you, John? Did they return to normal? No, never again, never again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that as we uh, look at this passage and read your word, God, would we be willing to see and to acknowledge change that has happened in our life. The good, the bad, the heartbreaking, the exciting, Lord. Lord, you use it all. May we, may we be willing to engage you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So first let's look at what's happening here in the narrative today. Join me in uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed when they heard about what he was doing many people came to him from judea jerusalem idumea and the regions across the jordan and around tyre and sidon because of the crowd he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him for he had healed many so those so so that those with diseases were pr- pushing forward to touch him Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Now, here what's happening is that, you know, again, we see that the crowds are growing, Jesus' popularity is growing. And last week, Grant left us with this verse where we hear that not only are the crowds and the popularity is growing, but so is the anger towards him. The plot against him grows. At the end of our passage last week, uh, in verse 6 in chapter 3, it says, Then the Pharisees went out and begot, began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Mark here, the author, does not let us forget that there is a dark side to everything happening here. In verse 11, again, it says dark spirits are obviously, Are in verse 11, it's, it says, whenever in pure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. So dark spirits are obviously around him. And on top, on top of all of that, the crowds are getting out of hand, so much so that Jesus needs an escape boat to be ready, just in case things go south very quickly. He says, ready a boat, just in case I have to leave. We sometimes have this idea of Jesus doing ministry on a hillside with, you know, lush green grass and and wind and, you know, children galloping and skipping about with the butterflies and people quietly sitting next to him and watching him teach. And, you know, it was quite the opposite here. Galilee was overrun by crowds and crowds of people from towns and regions all around. Sick people, demon-possessed people, all sorts of people were flocking to him running to him to get as close as possible to him, that they might be healed, that they might be comforted. For whatever reason, they came. They are part of this massive crowd. Part of this massive crowd, large enough for him to say, just in case, ready a boat. So here, afterwards, we see that uh, just as we've seen before, Jesus retreats to the mountain. The last time I spoke in January on Mark uh, chapter 1, we looked at why Jesus went to the mountain, It was there on the mountain that Jesus retreated to find rest and renewal and restoration with his father and for his soul. He found strength through his father God to keep going. And here he does it again. And when he's ready, he called together a team of men. In verse 13, it says, Jesus went up to the mountainside and called those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Verse 16, these are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boenergies, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus makes it clear at this point that he does not intend to go on this mission alone. Things are just getting complicated. The crowds are many. The places to go are many. The places to preach are many. He needs teammates on his mission with him. And in previous chapters, again, we learned that his mission is to preach and to teach. In chapter one, verse thirty-eight, it says, "Let us go somewhere else to nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This is why I have come." And he wants these guys, these twelve guys, to to come do these things with him, together. Do these men know? Do these men understand even a little bit of the mission and the team they were a part of yet? And these men, do they know what they're being called for? They come from all different backgrounds. They have different passions. They have different talents. They have different personalities. The one thing they have in common is that Jesus called each of them. In talking with Grant and Josh this week in our pastoral teaching team meeting, we were talking about these guys, and Grant said, oh my gosh, that group of guys, what a men's ministry nightmare, right? What a men's ministry nightmare this group of of guys was. But yet he calls these guys out by name. Simon, whom Jesus renamed Peter, Simon at first glance wouldn't be the first choice uh, for the simple fact that his name, first of all, means shifting sand. You may remember that indeed in, in a few chapters we'll see that the shifting sand guy will tell Jesus to his face, I won't deny you. A few verses later, he denies him not once but three times. Matthew, the IRS agent, he was despised by his own people. He was a tax collector who made a profit off Roman rule at the expense of Jewish people. He was hated. This is why earlier in Mark, the religious leaders were so offended that Jesus would go to Matthew's house to have dinner. Why would you go to that guy's house? Thomas, the questions guy, the guy with all the questions, he would doubt Jesus was alive after the resurrection. He wouldn't even believe the account of 10 of his friends. Not even 10 of his friends could change his mind. And James, son of Alphaeus, he was also known as James the Less. Not an impressive title, not the best way to describe someone. Simon, Simon, he was also known as the Zealot. He was a political radical. These guys were known for working towards the goal of violently overthrowing the government. James and John, the Sons of Thunder, These brothers had violent tempers. We see that they had outbursts here and outbursts there. In uh, Luke chapter 9, they want to call down fire and destroy a city. You want these guys, Jesus, to come and join you on your message of peace and grace and hope and love? These guys, the sons of thunder? Okay. And Judas, Judas, the man who likely Jesus knew would betray him. Not only does he call... This guy. But he also calls him friend. A few more guys in the mix. And Jesus had his 12 apostles. And as I said. Every one of these guys led different lives. They had different backgrounds. Different problems. We see in scripture. We see it's presented to us. That these men had struggles. They have negative tendencies. So many shortcomings. Yet he chose them. He called them. What did Jesus want with them? What did he see in them? In verse Uh, 14 it says the specific thing they call he called them to do was be with him and that he would send them out were they qualified on day one no way they were not qualified on day one he wanted them to learn from his every move to be with him he wanted that interaction every word he spoke he wanted to engage them He wanted to hear their questions, have conversations, so that they would understand him, so that their hearts would be connected through this engagement. They needed to have this intimate relationship with Jesus so that they could be changed and transformed into who Jesus knew they could be. They would go through new territory, have relationships with new people, experience ministry in a whole different way, through seeking, through learning, through all these things, they were changed. And with the exception of Judas, really, they were all transformed. Now, were they invincible? No, they were human. Were they perfect? No, they were human. We'll see that later on on the text for sure. We see, you know, the story of of Peter here. When he starts to go back, to slip back into his negative tendencies, Jesus uses his former name. He says, Simon, you're doing it again. Simon, he calls him by his former name. Be Peter. Be who I know you can be through me. Be my rock, the person I will build my church on. And, you know, they were an unimpressive, unruly, unqualified group of people. But they responded to Jesus. They responded, not just to Jesus calling their name, but they followed him. And what happened with these guys? Never again would they return back to normal. And the world was turned upside down because of their work. They were forever changed. How did they transform? How did they change? Again, Jesus didn't just pass by them and call their name. They were transformed because they engaged with him. They responded to him. They learned from him. So what about us? What about you and me? We were called to be followers of Christ. Sure, you know, we get to know these crazy, unattractive, not-so-flattering things about the apostles— but what if words were written about you and about me? What would they say about us? What would be said? What character traits would be written out to describe us? Would we be any more qualified than these guys were? Would We, we all love to have our shiny things, right? To have our shiny things shine through. But what about that not so shiny? What about that? Oh, yeah, I do that sometimes. We all have bad habits. We all have sins we struggle with. I have been known to be quite a spicy peach sometimes. Yeah, I can be as sweet as can be, but oh my goodness, I can be as spicy as can be sometimes. I have quite a bite. But it's you know I have I have these things. It's good. It's bad. It's both. What about you? What, what are those things that describe us, those things that we struggle with, those negative tendencies or, or character flaws sometimes, what if they hurt people? What if instead of building someone up, we're tearing someone down? What if I'm too spicy at times and that hurts someone? Or what if I'm too sweet at times and I decide to be quiet instead of speaking the truth plus love? What, what is that, that going to do? So in a second here, I'm going to ask you this morning to be honest and tell us what it is that you struggle with. What character traits are the not-so-shiny ones? A character flaw, perhaps. Are you, are you quick to anger? Are you maybe too self-focused? Are you a little too proud and think you're above most people? Do you struggle with greed? Do you struggle with always wanting more? What's a a negative tendency for you? Are you someone who assumes the worst instead of giving someone the benefit of the doubt? You just assume the worst? Are you closed off to other ideas and perspectives because your way is the way? Are you super detached and not connected to anyone because, you know, why? Now, I just told you I was a spicy peach, so I want to know about you. I want to know about you. And don't give me an interview type of answer. Okay, don't say, oh, my, my flaw is that I'm always looking for opportunities to learn. Mm, no, I don't want to know that. I wouldn't hire you if that was an interview. I want to know what you struggle with because I want to know who I'm working with. I I want to know who you actually are. So get your pen and paper out, and if you want to type it in the chat, please do, please do, but at least write it down in front of you on your pen and paper and acknowledge the fact That this is a struggle for you. This is a character flaw you have. This is perhaps a negative tendency that comes to the surface. Let's pause. The reason I ask you to reflect on this is because none of us, none of us are qualified to represent Christ on our own. None of us are qualified to represent Christ on our own. We can't do it without him. None of us can. So I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Jesus does all the work. You sit back. I'll sit back. We'll relax. See you in heaven. No, that's not how it works at all. I mentioned earlier that the disciples were changed, were changed, you know, not simply because he walked by and called their name. They were changed because they were in his presence. They were changed by actively following and engaging him. They had to recognize these things within themselves and then take active steps to move on, to move forward. So what do we do about this? How do we participate in, in, on our part in order to work towards transformation? In order to work towards when those things come to the surface, when those things are, you know, just a natural tendency that we have, how do we change? Does change and transformation only happen the morning when I say, okay, I accept you in my heart, and amen. Do the work, Jesus. No, and that would be such a bland way of living our faith. I don't think we'd ever learn anything like that. I'd like to remind you or or tell you for the first time the story of a man named Nicodemus in the book of John. Nicodemus was a leader among the Jewish people. And like many of us, he possessed knowledge. He possessed belief and respect for Jesus. Nicodemus lived his life like a good man. He followed scripture. He paid attention to it. He heeded it. He knew what was right. He knew what was wrong. He even taught it. He prayed. He worshiped. He was the model Christian. He was the model believer on the outside. Yet he only understood his faith on the surface. Jesus said to him in John chapter 3, You are a respected Jewish teacher, yet you do not understand these things? Jesus is continually presenting to us opportunities to learn, opportunities to follow, opportunities to engage and join him on this mission. Even though we are unqualified, perhaps we are unprepared, perhaps what is happening is unpredicted, unplanned. But through him, we qualify I'm going to ask you to consider this. If Jesus has called you and me and we're serious, we are serious about living on mission with him, I'm going to ask you to take a good long look at yourself, myself included in that, and ask yourself how am I growing? How am I engaging? What am I learning? Who am I helping? How am I engaging and seeking the Lord? How am I going further than just the surface? How am I actually being a disciple and a follower of Christ? We're not just going to change and grow because we know God is all around us. We have to engage. We have to be taught. We have to be continually learning and continually challenged. But what usually gets in the way of this is ourselves. The struggles we have, the negative tendencies we have, get in the way of us trying to change. And I think what's actually worse is that our struggles we have and the negative tendencies we have can also get in the way of of others engaging in the message and mission of Christ. These things might be difficult to consider because we have to take an honest look at ourselves, look at our way of thinking, look at the way we interact with people. Sure, we like all the ways Scripture makes us feel good. We like all the verses on love and peace and joy and salvation and restoration and whatever. But what about the parts that speak to us? The parts where that's not so shiny. The parts we want to overlook But here's the thing about those flaws and those tendencies is that God already knows about them. He made you. He knows about them and wants to work through them with you. God not only shines through our strengths, but he wants to shine through our weaknesses. When God made you and me, when God made the disciples, he knew that with him, only through him, we could be transformed to be used for the honor and glory of his name, even in the struggle, even in the change. When we choose to respond and engage Jesus, it is not just a one-time experience. Oh, it's great. I'm, I'm changed. No. Look at this last year. Look at all the ways we have changed and continue to do so. Continue to do so. How have you impacted the people around you just by your personality? I'm not talking about the whole wide world, but I'm talking about the people around you. Is someone sitting next to you? You have impacted them. Do you work with people? You have impacted them. Do you go, do you have friends? You have impacted them. Do you interact with anybody? You have impacted them. How has your character impacted someone? Are we perfect? No. Are we invincible? No, we have that in in common with the disciples as well. So how do we change this? How do we work through our struggles and our weaknesses and let God shine through both our struggles and our weaknesses? How can we positively impact others? How can we live in our calling as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ? We don't ever go back to normal we don't ever go back to normal. We strive for a deeper understanding of what is going on in us and around us. We strive to be in an intimate relationship with Jesus that he would be the one forever changing us. Through Christ, we can. our minds can be changed, our desires can be changed, our wills can be changed. Title and position and all these things are not a priority for us because we are all unqualified. We are all unqualified. We are all unprepared. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how much you know what title you have. It doesn't matter. What qualifies us to be a disciple of Christ is is a heart that is connected to him. That's what qualifies us. If you know what you struggle with, you start by confessing that to Him. Lord, here's my struggle. Here's my negative tendency. Here's here's what I do. And if you don't know what it is, you don't know what that thing is for you, ask Him. He'll show you. He will. Next, you talk to the people around you, the people that you are close with. Share with them that you have come to acknowledge this struggle within yourself and ask them to pray with you that you would experience some change. And at this point, if you're not sure what your character flaw is or your negative tendency might be, you know, also, ask the people around you. They will tell you, you will get an answer. Ask them to be gentle with you. Because, you know, when they lay it out for you, you may not like it, but truth plus love can only help us. Truth plus love. But we have to be willing to hear it. We have to be willing to hear it and to look at it. When I was writing this sermon, Chris and I were sitting at the table one evening and I said, okay, honey, truth plus love, let me hear it. And oh boy, the scroll he rolled out, um, you know, it, it wasn't a scroll, but he, he didn't delay in answering. Um, but I was defensive. I was defensive about the things he said. And I was, you know, I had a justification for everything he said. Are they true? 100% true. I should show you his scroll. His scroll was even longer. I'm totally kidding. Um, but they're 100% true. But we were able to have an honest conversation we are able to have an honest conversation. In 1 John 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. We all have these sin struggles, flaws that we need to work on continually. Make a plan. Make a plan for when these things come to the surface. Make an action plan to engage what you're doing, even in the negative you know, when you're getting upset about something, do you need to retreat for a few minutes and think before you respond? Do you need to ask yourself a set of questions? Why am I feeling this way? It, do you need to make a set of questions? If you, if you don't have a set of people around you that are, that are not super helpful, then talk to us. Talk to us. The pastoral team is here for you. I don't know how to stress that enough. I can't tell you how much it breaks my heart when I hear that someone has gone through a struggle in silence. Jesus commissioned the 12 apostles together, He sent them out together to be with each other. We are here for you. My mom just died. She just died. And I did not go through that alone. I didn't go through that alone. Of course I went through it with my people in my home and the family around me, but I went through that with you too. I was not alone. I'm still going through that. I still can't believe it. I'm still going through that. I still need you. I want you to know that you have people here. Sign up for a call, send us an email, but you have to engage. You have to engage. I'll ask you again, what's standing in the way of your change? Are these negative tendencies, character flaws, getting in the way of others engaging on the mis- mission and message of Christ? Do not simply hear your name being called and not respond. Respond. Engage. Engage. We will always be unqualified on our own. But through him, we qualify because our hearts are connected. That is the qualification that is required. And don't do it alone. 1 Peter four ten and 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the wer- very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Use whatever gift you have to encourage people, to engage people. Be on a team of people that are are able to support you and you support them. By the grace of God, I hope, I hope that these changes, the good, the bad, the heartbreaking, the exciting, the unexpected, the unplanned, that are still to come... I pray that we are able to use it for the glory and honor of Jesus. Back to normal. Normal is not a thing anymore since the day Jesus came to change us. I hope normal will never be a thing anymore. Changed? Are we changed? Forever. Forever. And I hope that we change a little bit every day.